good. Oh. Okay. Business architecture. <laughs> what the hell is Sounding. it? What is it? <laughs> you can figure that out. We'll be in good shape. That's why I came here to learn that. <laughs> Me too. You didn't have to pay for a LinkedIn learning course. <laughs> yeah. Is there, is there? Yeah. Well, yeah. can I just ask Chris and Oliver said, is a bit under the weather? Do you, are you guys up to this? It, it, we don't have to do this. We can do it next week. No, I, I'm dying to learn more about architecture. <laughs> I will drag myself out of the ICU to learn about wow. business architecture. <laughs> okay. I've got a hangnail that's really getting in the way here, but go ahead. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plow through it. Is that your dog, Phil? Whose little puppy? Uh, so, is it? <laughs> to be clear, it's my wife's dog, but okay. yes. <laughs> nice. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm working on him. Hold on. Remember when he like unplugged the computer or something? Oh, that's, that's right. Is this oh the one that God. killed the chickens? Didn't didn't you? Have no, a dog? no, no. That dog lasted only one day with us. <laughs> it went to live somewhere else. Welcome to another episode of Consultant Saying Things. I am Chris Lockhart. I'm joined today by Phil Yanoff, Oliver Cronk, and Wendy Keene. And we are talking about business architecture. Um, you know, I think, you know, as an enterprise architect, you know, gone through lots of identity crises with enterprise architecture over the years. Uh, what, it, what is it? What does it mean? What does it do? Who cares? Right. All of those great questions. Um, business architecture, I think, has has matured a little bit more over over time. Uh, but I think there's some really good questions around, you know, uh, where it can play. Um, and when it comes to being a consultant and playing in that space, some of the things that you may be wanting to think about or not think about. So, Wendy, I'm actually I'm actually going to toss to you, right? Because I know like this is your space. You own, you know, if there's a space that any of us owns, you own this space, right? Um, you know, it's like, you know, BA or your middle initials sort of thing, right? So uh, I want to, I want to get your take, you know, and, and, I'll, you know, I'll, and I'll ask the first question. You don't have to answer it right away, but like I'll ask the first question, what the hell is business architecture, right? So Wendy, give us a little bit on this topic and then, uh, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, we got to start there, right? This is the, the million dollar question. So, well, let me give you the what it is, which is not as interesting as the why it is. So, but what it is, is business architecture is a set of views for an organization. So let's break that down a little bit. Um, if we were to think about um, a set of blueprints for a home, which might be easier, there's different layers, right? There might be a facade, there might be electrical, there might be plumbing. Organizations have blueprints as well, but they're different layers. They're things like the capabilities, the reusable building blocks that describe what we do, their value streams, their information, products we sell, and a bunch of other things. So if we think about business architecture as sort of this cohesive blueprint 
um, again, set of views for an organization. That's what it is. So to unpack that tiny bit more, there's an organization called the Business Architecture Guild, which has formalized those views. And basically, there's 10 different, 10 different views. Don't need to go into detail. But it's important to say that we're no longer out there making up what it is and what it isn't. It's 10 specific things. And what makes the business architecture unique is that it's a view of an entire organization. So we have lots and lots of fragmented views of what we do. This is the one place where we see the forest for the trees entirely what we do as an organization from end to end at a very high level. And that allows us to do some pretty cool things. Well, but wait a second. Isn't that enterprise architecture? Oliver, what's the difference? Yeah, so I think... Business architecture. So this is my slightly controversial view. We're interested in what Wendy thinks, but I think business architecture exists because enterprise architecture failed, and by that I mean enterprise architecture became too IT dominated. Right? I think. Wait, wait, you, wait. Are we? Can we quote you? We're going to flash that quote up, and on LinkedIn, and everyone we're going to say Oliver said. EA failed. <laughs> you, you, you cut me mid-flow. In most organizations. I'm gonna, I'm oh, gonna okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Right? I think there are some organizations that matter. Because a true enterprise architect, someone who can look at the, the, the broad aspects of the business, the different layers, the, this, you know, as well as the technology, I think is a very rare person indeed. And I think what happened is you had um, the architecture profession fragment. I think initially you had an enterprise architect in the early days. I think the role is fragmented into more business-facing architects, more uh, domain architects that perhaps look after certain platforms or certain parts of the business. So maybe like you know, mortgages and banking and retail account, account accounts, whatever, uh, checking accounts. I think that what's happened is architecture, as organizations have become more complex and the interactions between organizations, supply chains and things like that have got to become more co- complex, there's been a need for more architecture and that's where you've seen the fragmentation. And I think BA in an ideal world is a subset of, of EA. So business architecture is a component of enterprise architecture. But the challenge is you can't find many enterprise architects who can do everything. So what you have is, uh, I think, some generalist enterprise architects. And then I think you have specialist business architects when you really want to get to the nitty gritty of what's the business model all about? What capabilities do we really have at a high level? We don't really care about the technical nitty gritty at this point in time. We just care about how this organization operates functions and how it could be optimized. And then I think once you've established that, you can then get into, all right, what does the technology architecture look like? And I think these days it requires a good uh, group of architects to really get the full enterprise architecture picture. Wendy, what's your view on that? I could not agree more with every single thing you just said. That's good, because I was worried that you might have a different view. That's good. Not at all. I think you're spot on, including all of the history. So I see business architecture, absolutely. It's under the enterprise architecture umbrella, uh, biz, app, data, tech, or you know, however folks may, may define that. Um, but what I think you're also getting at is what I see in the, I'm going to say the evolution and expansion of business architecture for all of the reasons that you just laid out. And so today's contemporary practice of business architecture, I'll say, 
has become a bit of a Venn diagram. And this is really important because I've found, you know, sometimes people, we just see things so differently. It's because we were playing on different sides of the same thing. So on, on, on one side of the Venn diagram is business architecture as what I'll say the tip of the spear for enterprise architecture and all those scenarios and kind of, you know, that, that cohesive part of the picture. The other part where it has been expanding is arguably a missing part of strategic management on the other side. And that's where we're seeing it get more traction. We're seeing it play a role upstream and where it's really gained more and more traction over the years in organizations, in industry professional organizations, and increasingly in academics is as uh, um, underpinning effective strategy execution, both because of its unique role to translate ideas into action hand in hand with the IT architecture, and secondly, to serve as the scaffolding underpinning all the teams from strategy to customer experience to planning to product to blah, 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 the whole, the whole thing. I am. Um, I, can I ask a follow up question to that bit to, to where you guys were? Because, you know, to me, you're explaining this and helping me understand this bit. Um, what are typically the presenting problems that an organization has or the change they would like to affect that says, you know what, I'm going to bring in business architects to help us think through this problem on a consulting basis? What are they trying to get done typically? Uh, uh, I'll share. Then anybody feel free to feel free to jump in. Um, it is pains with strategy execution, which I would argue have been for a very long time that rock in your shoe that you didn't realize was there and you're just walking and, and, and you got used to it and you didn't know it was there anymore, right? The fact that we might build duplicate solutions, the fact that we're creating fragmented customer experiences, inconsistent experiences, the fact that we can't get change or strategies or ideas or transformations into action quickly enough. The fact that now we have so many things that need to get prioritized, everything's a priority, how do we even decide what to do? So it's like there's all these pains of what I'm categorizing as strategy execution that that was okay until we added on a lot of change and a need for agility, reacting to sort of digital connected world and the customers in the driver's seat and what we do that's disconnected internally and slow moving really doesn't work very well to the outside. Can I, um, can I, so I was at a FinTech summit this week and actually I was struck by a CEO of a small you know, challenger bank, a new bank in the UK. And I was struck because I felt like he, he as a CEO, <clears throat> he laid out this amazing architecture of a, of a future bank or of, you know, a, a, a forward-looking digital-enabled bank. And what he did was he laid out on a single slide this beautifully simple picture uh, of core banking, products, services, and then customer experiences. And then he, he, he drew the analogy um, of um, the mobile industry, you know, kind of moving from you know, a, a basic mobile handset all the way through to kind of a, a more feature-rich you know, smartphone. And then he talked about how Banking is now broken into the kind of core ledger of your account, and then you know smart apps, you know smartphone apps, and so on as, as products and things on top, and then and then you know different services, um, you know which might be specialist lending or whatever it might be, and then the, the kind of experience we've on top, and it was just a beautiful articulation of what's happening to his industry, the disruption, and um, that sort of things. That if you were a traditional bank, and you were just kind of carrying on as you were. Without someone doing that business architecture to go, look, the world is is fragmenting into these different components. And if you don't 
understand that and understand how and where you want to play in that model, you will essentially either get disrupted and become that lower layer of, 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 the, of the landscape, or you know, essentially your customers will just move to someone else who is doing you know, a better experience because they understand how this is all unfolding. And there's things like, you know, for those that are in the financial services consulting space, there are things like open banking and some of the things that are happening in Europe around PSD2 and various regulations that are allowing for this you know, breakup of the layers of banking, much like we had with telecoms providers. Um, <laughs> and I'm, now we need to try and find a dog-based <laughs> analogy for the next example. But no, look, that, that was just a beautiful example of how this becomes concrete in a particular industry. And so in that case, he was using business architecture principles and approaches to describe his business. And yeah, he talked about why, yeah, where, execute where, and deliver, where yeah. his organization oh, is he, was playing. Is he using it to describe where they are? Is it an as-built thing? Or was he using it to describe where they'd like to be? And I'm kind of curious because, you know, building things, deciding on architecture is a lot easier when there aren't people living in the building yet. I did see this, you know, a number of times where it was used to answer your question to describe what is right. In other words, you know, we, you know, we have a business, we have our lines of business, we kind of know this and, and this group does that and they have these products, et cetera, but there was never a really good picture or a way of describing that to technical people who are developing the systems to enable the delivery of all of those business components. And so, you know, I've seen it in the past really effectively where it's like, well, let's, let's start at, you know, what do we do as a business and let's, let's document, let's draw that. Right. And then within that, it's, you know, well, if, if, if one of the things that we do is just because it's a recent experience of mine, claims processing, right? So claims processing, I mean, we're doing, we do claims processing as part of, or any sort of financial transaction with a workflow or whatever, right? We're doing this sort of processing. And then within that, you know, there are these sub-components that make up what that is. There is, you know, authorization. There is, you know, I don't know, whatever, a data lookup on historical data, whatever it is, right? And you have all these other things. And then those even can be broken down into sort of the activities that people or the processes that people perform in order to make those things happen for that activity within that line of business. And then where it gets really powerful is if you can say, and here is the technology, right, that makes it those activities able to be automated. And Bob runs this tool and he pushes the button every five minutes. And, and now you've connected people and tech. And, and so I've seen it really, really effective in describing a what is. I haven't seen it, Wendy, hopefully you have a really good example, right? I haven't seen it as effective as describing what we want it to be, because then it sort of becomes like, well, you know, we're going to have bank and we're going to have this and we're going to have that. And it's sort of like, yeah, but, but how, right? And I, I'm reminded of a recent conversation. This is in the healthcare space in the US where, you know, the, the client was basically saying, listen, you know, I've got thousands and thousands of slides from McKinsey sitting all over the place. Tell me what I should do. Right. And even going a little bit into the ways in which I could do it. But I have no one telling me how I take that and actually operationalize it and make it actually real. And that doesn't mean go buy a tool. That means like, how do I take, you know, when they say, oh, you should, you should have, you know, more automated processes. Well, how, how do I do that? Right. And I think maybe business architecture can play a role in helping describe how that 
strategy can actually become something real and in place and in progress. I'm, I'm hoping that's the case because that's the meta model I have in my head. <laughs> entirely, entirely. Um, that actually is the gap that it bridges because it's really hard to go from big ideas or big, you know, we're, we want to be more streamlined and automated, as you're saying, to who actually is going to do what to the people, the process, the technology. And, and part of where it becomes useful is just like it, for the same reason, if you're going to add an addition onto your house or make a change to it, the blueprint, right? The view of the as is, as, as we've said here, gives me a place to point to and say, all right, this is, you know, we're going to make change here. We're going to do this. Or if we do that, here's the implication of doing that. And the people process technology are all the details. They're all the trees. So we can use things like this, this capability lens, which is a higher level view of sort of these business components of what we do, claims processing, as you said, that helps us understand where we need to make the change and help us orchestrate it and help us say, ah, someone over there and over there is, is doing something to the same capability. So there is, um, and I do have to say this, this does continue to amaze me that for the massive change that organizations make, that view of the future and what we're trying to achieve that we share is often so unbelievably missing, yet we expect people to somehow get to the vision that's in our minds in a coordinated way and actually make it real. So, you know, Chris, to answer your question, I am so excited to say that I've seen organizations absolutely make this thing where they have target states with here is what the business architecture is going to look like and the enablement, of course, hand in hand with the, the app data tech behind it. Um, that's exactly what it's meant to do. In fact, that's what it's useful for is actually bridging that gap. Right? Do, do you know what this, <clears throat> sorry, sorry, jump in, but <clears throat> with my cough as well. Um, there's three words I think summarize the most powerful uh, manifestation of what Nern just talked about, which is target operating model. So for me, uh, something, something so simple as an infographic, you know, a kind of simple graphic, just showing where the organization needs to go from a kind of really high level sort of process or interplay between different business units. I don't know, I don't know when there probably is a standard now, because I've seen various different sort of types of them, but effective leaders I've, I've kind of worked for have just been really, really good at just throwing up a very simple picture of the target operating model, which helps people understand where the organization or where the different processes or the bits of technology need to shift towards. Because that, for me, is that kind of key um, anchor, I suppose, for everyone to kind of understand how all this is going to come together in the future. You realize, of course, and like a little bit back to what Phil was talking about, right? Um, you know, these are, these are, this is going to sound bad. I don't really mean it this way. These are sort of esoteric concepts, how the business operates, right? I mean, when you talk to a lot of folks on the ground, it's like, no, 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 we use SAP to do this, this, and this, and, you know, Informatica to you know, do managed file transfer, right? And in their mind, that's how the business works. Do you know what I mean? Right? So how, how, do, we, how, do, we get, how do we get people who think like that and people who think up here with incense and I don't know, magic wands and you know, all that stuff, <laughs> right, sort of stuff, right? How do, how do we get those people talking? Because it sounds to me like they are living in different worlds. Am I wrong? 
But I, I, I remember talking to the Oracle consulting guys and they're saying, hey, listen, our software does this. This is the way you run your business. <laughs> I mean, including like the costing models and stuff like that, right? This is the way you send an invoice, the way we tell you to send an invoice. I'm like, my God, this is, you know, this is a complicated business and it's been across, you know, it's multiple countries and all of this stuff. And you no, that's not what happens. But uh, I really I, remember walking in going, this is the way you do it. I think what you're talking about, though, is far lower level. And, and I, th I, th I think you're right. I think it's horses for courses, right? This is wait, 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 what, what did you just say? Horses for courses. Horses for courses? Okay. So should is I start a, me on that? My is that understanding a of that term, my understanding, <laughs> maybe. My understanding of the term is you have horses that do show jumping. Ah. Oh. Yes. I, I, I think. And then you have race horses for the Grand National, uh, which is a, gotcha. you, know, uh, you know. So I think that's what it means. And maybe you have a shire horse for pulling your heavy equipment. Um, that's why they use draft horses to pull beer. I mean, it's built into their name. <laughs> I, sorry, my, my, my actual point was going to be that I think this is, a, this is more a leadership level or like a yeah. business unit um, manager, you know, executive level to understand how their, their team fits in. It's not the kind of detailed process for sending an invoice. That is, of course, somewhere in the layers, but we're talking at a higher level of, which, as Wendy says, often people skip over. They go, well, you know, we are, to Phil's point, we kind of, you know, we, we sell stuff, we, we, we build people for it, and, and we make money. But actually, oftentimes, uh, you actually, if you break it down and go, but hang on, how does all this hang together? No, no one can actually really draw you a picture if it's complicated. They'll, they'll better draw you a picture of their bit of the world. Uh, but actually, what, how does this all hang together? And oh, um, goodness, actually, to your point earlier, Chris, we've got five teams doing essentially the same thing, but in a slightly different way. So why don't we actually kind of get them to talk to each other and give them a common sort of set of capability and, and actually get some of those people to do something else in the organization right. that, that, that we currently need them to, to do. So I, I think it's, it's different levels. And there's, there's, there's process models, and that's something else. And that's business architecture, don't get me wrong, but it's at a far more detailed level. But I think your operating model is that kind of high-level view of, right, guys, how's all of our units going to interface with each other? How are we going to interface with customers and suppliers and all that sort of piece? And then... And then each of those will take that and go, right, how do I translate that into invoice to cash or whatever? That's the process I will then go and derive from that picture. Couldn't agree more. Horses for courses. And I would add to that, that it is, if we, you know, organizations are actually, I believe, missing a core capability, which is getting strategy into execution, aligning it and measuring it. We don't, we, with all the things we think are important, like we don't think about that cohesively. We don't have accountability. And I'm really challenged to go to an organization that says, as you're saying, Oliver, show me how all the people work together across all these layers, across all these disciplines, the strategy, like all the teams and disciplines work together. We work at different elevations. And so it's all about matching up those levels and getting some, some alignment across them. Um, you know, the only other, and I, and I agree very much. So this is a leadership thing. Um, but I, I have to say, I have another curiosity and, and not to be philosophical, but we're so tremendously siloed in our thinking that so, part, that's part of the reason why these concepts are so abstract. Like, why would I think about what the whole organization does? I just think about this and here's how I'm, you know, paid and, and what my budget is. And I don't want to make decisions with other people. So um, I think some of it's been maybe just our societies and even how we're educated, but that 
is an education thing. So, so in in order to do in order in, in order to do business architecture, in order to have um, an effective business architecture that tells you something about decisions you're making about what you're trying to do going forward, because presumably, right, it's not a backward looking exercise. What did we do ten years ago? No, it, this is about like making decisions about what to go do in the future. In order to do that, do you need? an exhaustive current state that some consultant's going to come in and spend six months turning over every rock and talking, you know, talking to every single person and figuring out every single process and documenting all the workflows and figuring out which job name and Informatica attaches to the process, which supports the activity that, you know, supports the, what does that have to be in place in order to make good decisions out of business architecture or not? Because I mean, that's a good consulting gig if you get it. <laughs> It'll only take me eight months to document everything that you do. Well, so some of this will sound slightly blasphemous, perhaps a little bit in the context, but um, you need a current state for the baseline. And there's a huge misunderstanding and that a lot of people think that's detail. The baseline, if you just have what's our value streams, what's our business model, right? Oliver, you were referring to that book on your on your uh, bookshelf. Um, and what's our capabilities? Now, to be honest, yes, that should represent the entire organization and be exhaustive. However, it's at a high level of detail. So it should not take eight months to do that. And there's a lot of accelerators and formalization that has happened now in the industry that is speeding that up. So the, the other part that sort of joking aside that's blasphemous this is while consultants, that's a great gig to help organizations build that capacity, the organization should own and steward that business architecture for it to be ultimately right um, useful. And the key from there is everything is just enough, just in time. Document the system ties when you need it. Document the process ties when you need it based on how you're going to use the information versus if we build it, they will come. That's where I've seen teams fail and then it's something theoretical and what are those people building in the back room it's like the classic enterprise architects building their meta model rather than solving business problems right right like they're they're like, off in a dark room somewhere and then they yeah. come out what, what, one day about six one months day they later. Will have them, one day they will have the map of everything yeah. but not not just yet give, just right. give us three more months and then we'll right. have, and, we'll and have by the way while we're doc while we're drawing this diagram please don't change the business in any way whatsoever right because we have to, we, we it's 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 like a daguerreotype, right? Everyone has to stand still for you know a minute and a half while we you know take the picture. Yes, and why don't the business people love what we created? Yeah, look at this beautiful map. Well, but this gets yeah. so this gets to which I think probably something Phil's thinking about. Correct me if I'm wrong, Phil, but I think you know who cares, right? So now I've I've, I've drawn all this shit. What do I use it for? Like, who cares? It's a nice picture. It's out of date as soon as I draw it, right? Or yeah. 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 so Wendy, what 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 do what do what do we use or maybe maybe a better way to ask it? When you think about clients or or when you think about sort of businesses sort of globally, you know, what how are businesses using business architecture? A lot of different ways, I'm delighted to say, and a lot of strategic uses, just to give some little thumbnails, right? 
when they come out with a new strategy, they have the goals, objectives, courses of action. They actually say what part of the business changes. So they get this comprehensive impact footprint of the business and technology environment that sometimes informs different strategic decisions. Let's say, hey, we might want to offer this new product. Do we have the capabilities to do that? If we do, are we good at them? If we don't, do we want to build them? Is that a business we want to get in? Or should we outsource those, right? So that's that's sort of a one, one strategic example. Um, there's also structural uses, right? So we see it used on mergers and acquisitions where it's like, what do you have? What do we have? Are we keeping yours? Are we keeping ours? So, you know, that sounds like no big deal, but picture if you don't have a map, you know, and two people with their minds in the same places, how do you compare apples to apples? Seen it for divestitures, right? So for these capabilities, we're thinking about divesting, let's not entangle them in the rest of the business. And because I could talk all day, I could really talk all day. I think one other really good example um, is, um, um, you know, certainly looking at the application portfolio and making decisions from the business perspective, where we may have redundancy or what tech debt we care about remediating or what, what we've decided we're willingly going to take on, uh, our, our, you know, our, our path to transform based on how it fits within the business perspective. Um, those are just a few. Feel free to, to add on, team. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I am. Um... No, I, I like those, but I but I also see portfolio sort of prioritization being a big one as well, right? I mean, if you don't understand where you're looking to take your business in the future, could you actually be investing your going back to technology you know, for a moment? Could you be spending an awful lot of you know um, of your organization's money on perhaps technology projects for 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 a, um, an area of the business that's going to be radically changed, or actually to to Wendy's point, might get divested in the future? Or, or you know, actually isn't fundamentally going to move the organization in the strategic direction it wants to go in. So I think without the kind of North Star, as it were, of, of, of a business architecture sort of future state, I think there's a danger of the organizations and each business unit kind of just doing, doing its own thing. And it's a bit like, you know, we talked about, you know, enterprise architecture. If you don't understand the kind of broader plan and roadmap, you, you, I think you're going to make the wrong decisions. I think that's great. I, and I, you know, it's funny because I was going to actually ask that question, Wendy, and that was, wasn't this a useful tool in the M&A space? Because, you know, you bring people on and they had flags planted in different places. And now one person can hopefully plant the flag and say, is this where we're headed? And I'm saying that provided that you decided that that was the thing you wanted to do, right? You decided this is where we were headed. But, uh, you know, I don't, care what size organization you are, I think that having planted a flag saying, these are the things that are valuable to us, these are the directions we want to go, these are the plays we want to make, then if everyone's get that, it just sets up a vibration through the whole thing. And I don't mean that in a woo sort of a way. It's just that yeah. people are like, I don't know. I mean, when organizations fail because armies aren't coordinated, you know, it's because people didn't know what were we trying to get done here. And I think just getting that together is, you know, it's a, it's got to be valuable to an organization. And then I think my 
question back to Chris's point of, you know, who cares? Why does this matter? I can see exactly why an organization should matter. And so my next thing is, it seems to me there's got to be some opportunity. If you might be inside of an organization at some other level where you could plant the seed that maybe business architecture is one of the paths you ought to be thinking about when you're working on your enterprise architecture, where you're working on some other consulting gig to say, well, you know, if you just looked at somebody in the eye, some senior level person in the eye and said, tell me how this fits into your larger plan. They don't have an answer to that question. (laughs) You can probe, but it might be that this is an opportunity for you and for them. I get it. I'm old, right? But, um, you know, one of my mentors, uh, David Baker, um, one of the things he taught me early on, it's, it's really down that line, Oliver, which is, you know, there's your mission, your vision, your goals, your objectives, right? In other words, there are, there are, there's sort of a hierarchy of things. And, and if you start at the bottom, sometimes that works. It's usually better if you start at the top and say, what the hell are we trying to do here? Right. And then, you know, well, how are we going to do that? And well, what do we need to do in order to achieve this, you know, this goal, et cetera, et cetera. And, 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 you know, layering that on top as a starting point. And again, I mean, it's, almost impossible to do unless you have a greenfield, right? I mean, or you have an opportunity for greenfield, but you know, you layer that on top and then you say, well, well, what are we doing to hit this objective? What are we doing to, 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 you know, and, and being able then at some point, and it's magical when it, when you see it and it happens, I mean, it's some of the most satisfying work I've, I've ever done where you can say, I can tell you this SAP module right here furthers the the company's mission because I can trace what it does to the things that it enables, to the activities that it supports. And those activities are directly related to moving the needle on this objective, which ties all the way up to being the best shoelace company in Idaho or whatever. Right. And when you can do that, man, and that is a powerful thing because it's like, oh, okay. So if I'm going to invest money, right, in my technology, maybe I want to invest it in a space that has that direct tie to what I'm trying to do, or you know, maybe I'm remediating some some other technology issues. But I, I want to put my dollars where it matters. And if you don't have that that Rand McNally view of the world, I don't know how you how you make those decisions. I, I, in fact. I would argue you probably, you know, unless you just happen to be really lucky or really intuitive, you're probably making the wrong investment call. But at the very least, you've got people doing the activities that aren't measurably moving you toward the thing that you are supposed to be moving toward. I don't know. Maybe I'm, again, maybe I'm just old school. Maybe, maybe now it's all stuff. agile. Maybe we don't need rules, right? <laughs> don't document anything. Just go do it, whatever it is. Do something. Just do agile stuff and do it quickly. And yeah, yeah. be Get agile. Yeah. yeah, install yeah. the thing that makes us agile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, so all right. So, Wendy, what 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 makes what makes companies successful with business architecture? Is it is it having the right people? Is it having the right structure? Is it having a champion? Is it having a really good consulting firm that can do advisory and connect it with execution? 
perhaps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right on. Um, yeah, we've we've actually sort of answered that in 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 part of this. So I'm I'm really glad you asked. It's it's all about the approach to it. We started and some of the approaches that maybe haven't worked as well right at the beginning of this conversation. The organizations that are succeeding with business architecture, where the discipline sort of really permeates and, and becomes integrated into the organization, they are following a certain pattern, right? Uh, I would love to say uh, top sponsorship as high as you can get as soon as you can get it, right? Uh, no, no, no joke, that will really help. But whether you have that sponsorship or not, it's still being all about the business problem and the business value and saying, how is this organization going to use business architecture and being able to articulate that? Because without that, it's just blah, 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 and some abstract thing, right, that a lot of people do. So it's like, here's how we're going to use it, regardless of all the possibilities. Build the baseline um, and then deliver value, build advocates. You know, it's it's literally that. It is... Um, you know, deliver value with the architecture as you find new usages, build on to the repository, keep maintaining it, deliver again, deliver again, win, tell your stories. That is actually um, successful enough that even if you start business architecture in one part of an organization, you can literally be driving business transformation, like by one step at a time, building with that method. So value. And the other thing that's really big is building partnerships partnerships, right? Acting as an internal service provider. And yes, having an expert consultant would help too. Yeah. Is, is anyone doing this really well that you'd love to call out and just like highlight? You know what? I, I'll, I'll just say this um, because they're all public names. If you go to the Business Architecture Guild website and you look at some of the organizations that have um, you know, spoken at previous summits, you'll see some really big names out there. Um, yeah. I'll and just, and what, what is that website? Businessarchitectureguild.org. That's the not-for-profit organization. You know, I was sitting here thinking, this is an interesting conversation and I love this whole idea. The thing is, I don't know if it's verifiably true. I don't know if what we said is verifiably true, but a thing that I can intuit from all of this is that if we start with clarifying business strategy, if we go to the optimizing business models, we go down that route. At a minimum, if we can create this clear vision in how we're headed, we get to reclaim all of the loss for all of these random activities that occur inside an organization because people don't know where you're headed. And just reclaiming that, which might be otherwise a deadweight loss, has to be an incredible focusing activity. That's what I think. It probably makes the difference between a company that is able to respond to things rapidly because they're focused on the right things and they know what they're doing versus a company that is trying to react to something but can't because it's doesn't really know what it's doing today mm -hmm. and doesn't know what it needs to change in order to meet the challenge. Yeah, because they don't have an understanding how the pieces fit together. I think the, the other thing is I see too, and I've worked in too many organizations that suffer from the shiny light syndrome, right? Ah, oh, this month we're working on launching this product and everyone needs to work on that. And, right. and everyone's like, hang on, you, you've forgotten the landscape of the fact we already have three other in-flight products we haven't quite delivered yet. And we've also got two that have got major you know, incidents on that we're trying to resolve. So I, I think it's this kind of 
it keeps people honest, right? It helps me understand what's going on more broadly. Um, and much like enterprise architecture, good enterprise architecture does, it, it helps people understand what's east, west, north, south. You know, it, it's just kind of that guiding star yeah. thing. So, so how do you how do you answer the challenge when it's like, yeah, this sounds amazing, but I got to deliver the widget. And I need all my freaking people delivering the widget. I don't have time for all this nice stuff that might help at some point in the future. I got to make the thing and I got to make it faster. And I need to take you know, the, this project manager over here and I got to put them on the line. They got to make the thing because I need hands. I need, I need to make the thing. How do we answer that challenge? It's back to the levels. I think we were talking about and getting to the right people because Certain people with, if that is their focus, this is not that appealing. But to the executive that really wants to make sure that we're doing the right things at the right time and thinking about the enterprise and investing and we have the ability to quickly change and react in the future, this is a lot more meaningful. So it's really sure. about getting the right person that cares. Yeah. Let's say, hypothetically, <laughs> that, that it's the executive team that's like, no, 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 we got to make our numbers. And that means shipping product. And that means... All this other crap, we're not dealing with all that. We're just going to brute force this thing and, and get through the quarter. I think... Some days you got to put your hand to the oar, don't you? I mean, some days you just <clears> have to put your hand to the oar and you go forward. But the thing is, you know, what we said was if we can get this right, the point we get it right, we have a little bit of extra energy that we can then say, all right, let's get us on course while we're at it. Let's figure out what can I do from where I'm standing, where my hands are on the oar today to get us headed in the right direction. And that's, I mean, Wendy hit it beautifully. I, I can't really add anything more to it. It's the level. Where am I? What can I do? where I'm standing today to help solve this problem. And, you know, say, I'm thinking about it. Who else is thinking about this? What can we do to get together and work this out? So, so what does a cat on the ground do if you're a consultant, let's say, and you're in one of these companies doing whatever, and you identify this need? That's one category. And I think the other is sort of what you were referring to, Phil. You, you're in a cubicle in one of these companies, right? Or... What, I don't even know what we call it now. You're in a Zoom box at one of these companies. You know, how do you, in those scenarios, are there things that you can do? Are there opportunities that you should be looking at taking advantage of? We know how to handle this poorly, right? The house is on fire. It's all going to burn down. I mean, screaming fire, that's the problem. That is a problem, right? That is a way to not do it. Catastrophizing. Yeah, it's it's exactly a CBT model or a CBT term, catastrophizing, right? Catastrophizing this doesn't work because everyone looks at you and goes, that's alarmist. And even if he's right, I don't want to listen to a knucklehead that talks like that. Yes. So how do you do it? I mean, I think you have to be in the spot where you're talking to the right people. And I always love talking to the people who are closest to the customer because they are the ones that will care the most about this kind of stuff typically and say, I'm looking for a way. I mean, approach this like a sane human being. I'm looking for ways to take friction out of this. I'm looking for ways to do this better and on target, perhaps, who should be part of that conversation? I'm wondering, do you think, you know, I was like the idea of asking good questions. That's my idea. Ask good questions and let them come to the conclusion that it's time to do something else. I'm sorry, that was me. Socratic Phil, go ahead. I don't know. When it's an Alenkis. Alenkis. You're the expert here. What what, what about those cats? Yeah, well, you know, or dogs, 
Cats or, or dogs. Or dogs. Or do- we, we had a dog on the show just earlier today. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. exactly. Um, you know, there, there's always in the back of my mind, lead with value, deliver value, build as you go, right? And if you see this as a valuable discipline for an organization to have for all the variety of reasons that we've laid out here, whether you're a consultant or whether you're someone internally, it's about getting traction, finding that usage, build, you know, just enough, just in time and start using it. I will say also for um, consultants or even folks in a tool space, you can embed, and I have certainly seen people do, you can embed uh, business architecture in the products or services that you offer and how you present things as well, right? So that's another way to do it. But I also think there's opportunity for consultants to help people and organizations start and grow their practices and do a really good job at it. Yeah. Oliver, what are you thinking here? My, my, my sort of thoughts are, this is about how you work smarter rather than harder as an organization. Going back to the kind of point about, oh, we just got to get all hands to the pump and Build, you know, build more widgets. But hang on, what if actually what you should be doing is creating, uh, you know, a, a supply chain um, outsourcing kind of arrangement where your peaks in capacity, or sorry, your peaks in demand are met by having a burstable supply right. network, whatever it might be, right? That actually might be more cost effective than just getting everyone to down tools and go and produce widgets, right? So, uh, but, but also a couple of other things kind of occurred to me. One is, if you are a widget producing company and that's all you will ever be and we ever want to be, maybe you don't need this unless, you know, unless you've got aspirations of fundamentally changing your, your, your business model or something like that. The other thing that occurs to me is initially, not everyone needs to know about the business architecture. The right people do. And I think over time, you know, perhaps most people should because it's a guiding light for the organization. But I don't feel like everyone who is you know, building the widgets need to know. It's about the people that need to understand how their business unit or their process interoperates with other bits of the organization and how it all hangs together. So those are the things that kind of off the back of this chat, which I, which has been great. One of our, one of our best conversations, I think. Um, yeah. so I've, I really enjoyed it. You know, I, I look at it through the lens of like the consulting industry, right. And places I've been where you do business architecture things, but you don't call it business architecture because that scares people, right? It's like, what do you mean? You're here to do a portfolio analysis. What are you doing with business architecture, right? And, and But the whole thing is, if you can help a client understand something about how their business operates, because let's be clear, especially as you get into large corporations, no one person knows how all the shit works, right? And they don't, you know, they might know somebody over in this group and, and it's anecdotal and it's this and it's that. And I think this is what happens, but I don't really know when it goes, you know, it's all that sort of thing where this is how we do it in bank, but I don't know how they do it in card, right? Or whatever it is. You know, I think, you know, there's value and it doesn't have to be a deliverable in the statement of work, right? In order for you to provide some value, which is to say, hey, you know what I've discovered? You know, that process that we were talking, that's actually, this is actually how that works over there. Um, and listen, if you're a scrappy enough consult management consultant, you'll figure that crap out, right? You can go talk to the right person. And well, in the old days, you would walk around and talk to the right person, but so I don't know how you do it now, but you know, um, hopefully we'll get back there where you can walk around and say, Hey, can you explain this bit to me? And then you document that you draw it, you connect, you connect all the dots and it, you know, you, un- you put that thing in the appendix and it's like, you know, Hey, oh, by the way, I just wanted to like flip to this real quick. I don't know if you know this, but you know, 
that thing that you think they're doing over there, they're not doing it over there. So, you know, and, and that I think can provide a, a lot of value, or at least that's what, what I've seen before. But uh, anyway, no, this was, um, this is interesting, right? Because, you know, um, business architecture sometimes gets the rep that the rap that enterprise architecture gets, which is like, Oh, you're thinking too much. Stop, stop with the models and stop all the thinking. Right. Um, but no, thank you. I appreciate this, Wendy. This, uh, thank you for bringing this out. This is a great idea. Um, Phil, Oliver, great Wendy, job. I'm Chris. Thank you everybody. And we will see you next time.